to the world of Doctor Who, the Time Lord that explores the galaxy while on his time-traveling adventures. Welcome to the world of the longest-running science fiction series in history, with your co-hosts Susan Backstrom, David Grunt, Matthew Rose, Tom Diamond, and Craig Johnson. And they explore the classic series from its humble beginnings in 1963 and tracking through time to every episode up to the current day. This is the Doctor Who retrospective, where a legend will never die. Welcome to the Literary Licence Podcast. Today we are discussing the 1964 serial Marco Polo, and I'm here with Matt Rose. How are you doing, Matt? Uh, yeah. Yes, and my standing double, William Hartle, has been pulled out of time and space to come here. <laughs> and yours truly, Craig Johnson. There's a synopsis for Doctor Who, Marco Polo. TARDIS, badly damaged, lands in the Palmer Mountains of the Himalayas in 1289, and the crew are picked up by Marco Polo's caravan on his way along the fabled Silk Road to see the Emperor, Cabal Khan. The story concerns the first Doctor, his granddaughter, Susan, and her teachers, Ian Charleston and Barbara Wright, and their attempts to thwart the machinations of Tagana, who attempts to sabotage the caravan along his travels through the Palmer Plateau and across the treacherous Gobi Desert, and ultimately to assassinate Cobal Khan in Peking at the height of his imperial power. The doctors and his companions also attempt to regain the TARDIS, which Marco Polo has taken to give to Cobal Khan in an effort to regain the Emperor's good graces. Susan gets the TARDIS key from Ping Chao and is captured by Tagana before they can depart. They are finally able to thwart Tagana, who kills himself before he can be executed, restoring the Emperor's respect for Marco Polo, and the Emperor allows him to depart. And that was the synopsis for Marco Polo, the Doctor Who episodes. Um... Now this is an interesting one because um, a lot of the, the 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 surviving footage was lost, so we we're taking this uh, we're t- we're doing the podcast based on um, a telesnaps uh, episode that was pieced together by the BBC. Um, so yeah, Matt, what are you what are your initial thoughts? Well, listening to it because technically it is audio with pictures. It- <laughs> It's like envisioning a big finish, but just like stop motion. So mm. it was weird because I'm now on the I'm at the end of the Dodo era. So to go back into this crew of three, it's like starting over. Um, when we covered, um, could you remind me with the episode that is supposed to be for Marco Polo? Because I know we did uh, that age of destruction. Yeah, and it always feels like. Weirdly disjointed, doesn't it? When you watch Edge and the next episode afterwards, 
knowing it's Marco Polo, but then you have to skip over that because it doesn't exist. For me, Marco Polo, when they mentioned like the old Silk Road and all that, because I just had that through a big finish recently, and it was like China. And I was like, oh, so we've got into like a China type setting of a pure historical here. And it's amazing that this is quite a long one, a bit like the Daleks. So listening parts. to Marco, yeah, what is it? Sorry, it was seven parts. Yeah, I think that's roughly around how much the Daleks was. Yeah, and to have followed, it was, a... I think it was one of the good historical who's a bit because around this time they did the gunfighters and you had um the Romans, the rescue, and the Aztecs. Oh, oh, you mean sixes in general? Because obviously, yeah. funny enough, I just watched the gunfighters last night, and mm. it's so interesting that the mm. historicals get more crazier as they go on, especially even the myth makers with the Trojan horse. Mm. Now, my, but for my... me, pa- so go on. Sorry. Um. <laughs> oh, this is going well, isn't it? This is turning into Pat Trout and a job pad. We were <laughs> uh, too early, too early. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but no, for what I was gathering for Marco Polo today, because this is the first time I'm experiencing properly the telly snaps, and mm. honestly, it just felt like it felt like what Adventurous Space of Time was highlighting. Because, uh, as you recall, this was like the story when Carol Ann was deciding it, it was coming to the end of her journey as Susan, because mm. obviously she was feeling it was nearly time for her to go. Um, from what I was hearing of the story, it seemed like Barbara was seen more like the damsel in distress again this week. Ian was more the rescuer. Um, Marco Polo, I want your caravan. I'm like, am I hearing this correctly? Is he calling the TARDIS a caravan? A caravan, yeah. Yeah, I understood what it means in Chinese, but when I first heard it, like I had to do Mobile a job take, home. I was like, yeah, I was like, what? I was like, what? I've never heard the TARDIS being called a caravan before. Well, my uncle pointed out something. He said that Mark Eden worked with William Russell on something called Ivanhoe, I think it's called. That's what yes, he Yes, I knew of Ivanhoe with Julian Glover, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, let's go. Oh, yes, I, I thought you were about to do like a big tidbit about Ivanhoe. <laughs> I was, I was like, you go for it. you go, you go, sorry. I was gonna say I like the the the, the Gobi Desert parts were interesting. I don't know how they got the, because Mark Ayers did the did the audio stuff because he's quite good with all that type of thing. But then they had this, the line that was going across when they were telling the story. I thought that was quite interesting, um, as a focal point. Yeah, I I will say the music is very beautiful for this. I don't re- you don't really notice with a lot of the classical. It's very atmosphere. This is one of the rare times where it's such a lovely piece. You wish it was a soundtrack music on its own right, like Marco Polo, because some of the music in it looks like it belonged to other films or TV. But from what I've gathered so far, the cat, the it's so funny. Um, Hartnell's doctor bursts out laughing at one point like a witch. He's just cackling, and it's just yeah. like, why is this? Why is he so laughing like a maniac mm. for? And he's just like. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what is this? It sounded like he was Yoda before there was a Yoda. <laughs> I thought Q by Clan was a nice surprise. Yes, yes, because um, I know I've mentioned Rick Clanish a bit, but every first Doctor audio 
that has done like um, uh, stuff set after this. They mentioned the Kubla Kai and all this. So this is the first experience for me. So it's nice to finally get those references heard. Yeah. And it was like, oh, yeah, so this is it. This is it from, it's all from Marco Polo. Because I've been wondering for ages whether it's all come. And William Hartnell, he, he wasn't seen in much until episode two. He sort of mm. um, wasn't much around. Um, yeah, but it's so funny. Even in episode he one, was, he doesn't he even was call Ian the proper... What was it? He was sulking in his tent. Oh, yes, yes, yes. It did make me laugh, though, in episode one, because he still calls him Charlton, despite the fact he's known him as Ian Chesterton for a little bit. So it's already that dynamic of calling him the wrong name already. And the TARDIS becomes like um not it becomes like an all-encompassing thing, not just a plot twist. It was more used as a as a means to an end as well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the TARDIS in this, oh yeah, I really liked um I think it's episode one or two, because I've just done them back to back. Um, the first tree, when there's one part where the doctor kicks off of Ian, and I think it's Marco Polo, where he literally says, you can't just build all of this. Like, he was cross of Ian suggesting you can build a TARDIS. And it's always interesting when one kicks off with his crew, because it's so early, because he gets more warmer, when, like, Vicky, Dodo, and all them not coming in. But here, it's going back into that, he's bitter of, like, them doing, like, anything without his say-so. Don't you think? I think it's really strange as well that they would delete, delete. They would destroy video footage, but they they kept the audio stuff. Ah, uh, that that it, it just I understood. Like... What I understood. No, I understood what happened with that. Apparently, it was fans who recorded them on the VHS cassettes. Unfortunately, they didn't transition well, so the audio survived the transition. So it was all on tape recorders, so that's how they all survived. I think Waris Hussein, he went into his attic and found his own collection of the telly snaps. Um, yeah. He took photos of a 405-line screen showing 50 half frames per second. Um, yes. And then John Cura was hired to provide stills from the screen of actors who might want a portfolio. Um, but it's just weird that it's like the audio guys were so meticulous that they would keep their audio files and yet they thought yeah. they would destroy the actual moving image. I think that's really strange. Yeah, from what I remember reading, the BBC did it because somebody thought it was a great idea, one, for storage purpose to erase it, and two, they thought no one would ever want to see black and white again. And just so the viewers know, this 30-minute um, telesnap special is on the edge of destruction in the extras on the DVD which I didn't mm. even know about until Keith mentioned it recently. And I've had it for years, the beginning box set. And I'm, I've always said I've never seen Marco Polo and it was there all along on my shelf. So that'll teach me for yeah. the extras. To be honest with you, I find Marco Polo, I've heard the audio before, but I did fall asleep. That was only because I was exhausted. Before I remember, it's a very strong plot when you're watching it with the telly snaps. Mm. It's like you're learning more about the crew. You're learning more about what makes them what they are. They're having a blast before like, Caroline leaves. I like the voiceover of Marco Polo for his journals as the plot goes along. Oh, around. yeah, yeah. That was good. That was interlinking narration, before interlinking narration. And the pa the camera was panning across the map of Cathay. Yeah. 
I'd say Doctor Who got there first before that was an official thing, because as I say, we now know it as interlinking narration, where it's somebody who reads and tell a story, but it probably was so uncalled for back then. Mm. But for what I've gathered so far, is Marco Polo just seems like he's a big windbag, who seems like he's tell-all, he's a bit spoiled, he wants to get home, he doesn't care that he's trampling on the Doctor and friends, he just wants to get home and he'll do anything mm. for it. Oh, I forgot the map. There's the Reign of Terror as well. That was another historical, which I've not watched, watched before. That's coming soon. With William yeah, well, at least with the Reign of Terror, at least that's now been officially animated because, again, yeah. that was one of the lost ones. I'm looking forward to Marco Polo being animated, definitely. Yeah, that's been rumoured for such a long time, so I'm hoping that's one of the next ones now that they're mm. back doing them. But in the sense of a story, um, I mean, for me... I can't wait to actually do more. So I think the guy who wrote this, for people who don't know, he was big in the classical era, John, the writer of this. Then he vanished for ages. Then he returns in the Tom Baker era, writing for the Cybermen. So he wrote Tom's only Cyberman story. Right. And there's two versions of that. Big Finish has adapted the original, and there was the TV ones here of Return and Revenge. Yeah. Revenge is more... Sorry, no, I think Revenge of the Cyberman Cybermen is how the TV wanted it, where the audio version, it's more of a cluster. Sorry, go on. I love the look of the Cybermen in Revenge, and I like the Cyber Leader's helmet That's when when they put the black helmet, but I'm not keen on the voices. I wish they were more like the Earthshock ones. Yeah, if you got Return, Briggs plays with a modulator, but what's funny about them, it's more of a claustrophobic story. It's more like it's more of a horror story compared to what was actually envisioned on TV. Mm. Yeah, so it was always envisioned to be more claustrophobic, more you're afraid of the Cybermen more than what we got on the telly side. But going back to Marco Polo, you can understand why this is a story that fans have consistently wanted either recovered or animated because it's beautiful to hearing it. The mm. cast are so well put together. You would have thought that this, if you had said that this was the start of Doctor Who, you would think this is more down the road of like the crews just having fun, danger, a historical. It really sets the standards for what becomes the pure historicals that we, yeah, the pure historics have kind of faded out because you get an alien. But this really set the bar high for like classic Who when they were starting to do them. It's- I feel like Barbara, she came out of herself more in this one and she sort of helped the plot go, go, move along as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's what I mean, because there was this one, I think, where she Ian was screaming like in the snow, like from Marco Polo, and you're just like, this would be just so visually amazing Ian, to see. Ian seemed like he'd been trained in some sort of defence or weaponry or as well when he was doing the fighting scenes. Yeah, Venusian Aikido. Yeah. Um Yeah, I'd have to say Susan did so well in this story. I love um I'm trying to think of the girl who's in the story with um I don't want to get them I think and is it Poe something? I'm trying to remember the name just heard Yes, and having Susan, they got such good chemistry from the get-go. Because you get a sense that Susan does want to leave the TARDIS in this adventure. You feel like she's ready to move on or um, 
Yeah, I think this is the point, like what you see in Adventure of Space and Time, where it reflects on Carol Ann's performance. Like when she has that talk with like um, Dave, like Claudia Grant's version, talking to Dave Melvin, like this is it. This is for her. This is the end of the road. And that's why Dalek Invasion came like so suddenly for like that departure, because you could tell it was the, it was near the end for this crew. And she she respected Ping Cho's decision not to um, show where the TARDIS key had been hidden, um, even though she could have been stranded. Um, yeah. But she yeah does... Ping and her, yeah. I wish they had a, a story besides Marco Polo. Like, you know what I mean? It, it's not like if Carol continued, I think, yeah, would it have been a big crew? Yeah, I would have liked them to have travelled a bit together if Ian and Barbara left in the next one because they just seemed like they were fast friends. I got that sense as well. Yeah. And that's very uncommon for Susan to make friends. All she was through the series after the pilot was my ankle, my ankle more than like the standout. As it went on, it was like you could see the decline in the quality for Susan. Like she became the background in like her own story with her grandfather. But this, it felt like everyone was giving such a great turn for like this near end finale for that crew. And cued by clan, he he just he comes across as just like a little old man who's got gout. I'd have to say that. It's like as as I highlighted the music because the radiophonic workshop, they always make the most atmospheric and creepy music. Here it's some of the most beautiful yeah. music Doctor Who's had. Like, I liked it as well. Yeah, it just feels like you could if it Doctor Who aside, you could literally have heard this in another movie or TV show because of how soothing and relaxing it is. Because you had the roof of the world, which is can be taken into interpretation. The singing sand, five hundred eyes, the wall of lies, rider from Shang Tu, uh, mighty Q by Can, and then assassin in, in, at Peking. And then episode two announces next week the cave of five hundred eyes, which would be um, is that Keys of Marinus? Probably, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so Marinus, again, that was one of Caroline's favourite, but you could certainly tell this is where it was. This first series felt like it was a one and out with this crew because you could feel like it. I mean, when we came to series two, which was amazing that they did Planet of the Giants and all that, mm. it's amazing Susan stayed around for that while because then there's that whole dynamic shift. I was really funny enough recently. I think the first couple of stories were envisioned with Susan, which is why Vicky's a bit out of place because it was still written for her. Oh. Yeah, I think the way... I can't remember on which, but I know one of that first year for Vicky, it was already written for Carol Ann, but they had to change it for her. So poor Maureen, she, that's why in one episode she seems a bit not like with it. It's like it's Susan's parts where they had to rewrite her. Right. So series two was envisioned with Caroline staying more. So it's like you know, when the Doctor leaves and then they've got to rewrite the series. Like you could tell when like something like Time Heist, you could tell that was for Matt Smith or like the hand waving with Capaldi. So to me, it's just interesting that we've in the sixty year journey. It's funny how like the historicals seem like they're forgotten the most now of Doctor Who. Going back to the music, the original music was was by Tristram Carey. Mm-hmm. Um, he it is a total contrast to the Daleks. 
Yeah, the Daleks was like a horror genre episode, and this is like a relaxing, like action, like beautiful historic yeah. movie. But it's to me this when they started doing like the seven parts, that felt like what New Who does now—the arc style formatting. So each week they felt like arcs. The bigger the episodes got, because at this point Terry Nation was putting together his his new scripts, um, mm. and Nation asked. Waris Hossein, because he was the Indian of the group, for any useful details to make the script seem less Russian, better thought out. Yeah, and that's the point, is I think somebody described Terry Nation as an idealist when he created the Daleks, but then obviously the more he went on, the more popular it got. It was like when he built Blake 7, he needed to like build all these worlds together, who was going to write them, that's all down to Terry, but it's just like he knew he couldn't handle everything himself, he needed ideas and suggestions to help him. There's well, the... if... Sorry, go on. No, go on. If somebody said to me, would you try the telly steps? I think if you struggle with the visuals, just shut your phone and just pretend it's an audio because that I'm way not. you can still enjoy the story. That's I'm, how I did it this morning. I recently watched um, The Underwater Menace for the first mm. time and I had I turned the... I had to check the DVD because they, there was no prior, prior warning that it was going to start as telesnaps and I thought it had frozen. So I, I was trying to clean the disc thinking that there was an error, but then I realised it was the first episode including the music is telesnaps, which they, I thought the BBC would have at least put a warning at the front to say, this is now blah, blah, blah. But they Yeah, didn't. but that's why I think they're now ready for the 60th to redo that. Yeah. It's like animation because they knew the first iteration, the first iteration sold well, but the telesnaps put it off for people. Mm. I think that's why they're doing a lot of the animations again. I think well, there'll come a point when we get stuff like Dalek's Master Plan but I think that's going to be one of the last things they do because of how big that project is. Yeah, definitely. I'm excited for that one. I really enjoyed oh, yeah. Evil of the Daleks. No, and the part oh, of the Daleks, that was good. I loved Evil of the Daleks. I think Victoria is such an underlooked companion because isn't because a lot of her stuff is missing. And the only way you could have experienced her fully is either Big Finish or the audio telly snaps until like the missing episodes. Like, well, any I think one of her best, but Deborah Watling has said the um the costumes of Marco Polo were designed by Daphne Dare, um, and there were some beautiful costumes in this. Um, they also found that Korean architecture from nineteen hundred was similar to that of the thirteenth century, so um. Oh, so sorry. <laughs> I was still stuck. There was, I was just like, for the music, oh, so for the music they included for flutes, harps, percussions as well for the sandstorm scenes. Are you back? Mm, yeah. So cool. sorry about that. Um, I kept getting a phone call. I had to, I had to take it just to. Um, what was I trying to say? Now let me think back up for Tom's job. As I said, Deborah Watling always viewed um her last story. I think was the best for her. Um, oh, I'm trying to think of the name now. Like it's, it's the one with like her and Patrick Charlton when the Sonic Screwdriver came in for the first time. It's not the Seeds of Death. No, it's oh. the. Oh. What, what, oh, I'm trying to think of the name. It? It's the one. I say. What happens in it? 
Oh, it's the one where she says goodbye to them. It's the farewell from her and Jamie and the Doctor going on their separate ways. Fury from the Deep. Oh, yeah, I love that. That was a really good one. I really enjoyed yeah, that. that. Yeah, that's Deborah's favourite because she hated yeah. Enemy because she didn't like being on the helicopter. Right. Yeah, she had a phobia of heights, poor Debbie. Oh. And now, what was I trying to say? Yeah, now, to go back to um, Marco Polo, I think, I think, yeah, I will continue with the telly song. It just seems like it's a fun adventure. It really does. Mm. Um, I think, for me, this personally, this is when the writers have, like, built the strength of the companions and the Doctor from the very beginning. It's like, the Hartnell's Doctor is still a bit, you know, like, oh, you can't do any of that. No, 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 no. But he seems like he's starting to ease up a bit on them. Yeah. Definitely. The viewing it's figures like, through the roof. What you say, sorry? The viewing figures were sky high. They were like, episode one, Roof of the World got 9.4 million viewers. Yeah, I, I think this is the turning point for Doctor Who. I think this is when the writers stopped seeing him as the crotchety old man and started having more fun with him. Yeah. And it was, a, they changed the slot from 5.15 to 5.30, um, contrasting it with ITV News. And then the, the final episode, Assassin at Peking, episode seven, got 10.4 million viewers. Yes. Which, Honestly, it's amazing, like, even for, like, 60s who to pull in such high ratings as that. Because I know some people struggle going to the black and white era because now we're in the colour era. But to me, watching it now, because my next physical one is The Warm Machines, which, which was the sad ending for, like, Dodo, because mm. the producers made no secret they didn't like Jackie Lane, so they just shunted her out with a sign on the door that she'd left and replaced her with Bell and Pollard. That's all there's no problem for goodbye. Yeah, that really upset Jackie to the point where she wasn't like an actress anymore. So she became a theatrical agent because it was easier to manage people and not get upset by stuff like that. The Doctor Who producers were really shifty towards Dodo and they didn't help her because that's why she's so inconsistent with her voice. One minute, She's a proper Londoner. Next minute, she's got a voice from elsewhere. They didn't help her at all as it went on. Right. I think that's the interesting transition. When you come to Dodo, it's so laid back with the Doctor, Stephen, and Dodo that they're just there to have a blast on the TARDIS where mm. he comes from this big cruise and he's still crotchety, but it's like the funness is starting to come out of him, like with something like Marco Polo. Honestly, mm. I think if this story gets animated, I really think it should be in the style in the styles that really would do it justice. Where it feels like it's a beautiful movie watching it because Marco Polo needs to be done justice when it's animated. Definitely, yeah. But what I got from it, I'd say that it's another Tardis-like story, but the Tardis is the central plot, which is quite nice. Hmm. As in they're barely in the ship. It's like after they come out, it's like the TARDIS is not really featured at all apart from being called the Caravan, which is it's like quite, a funny name. Of this. It, it was kind of reassuring to know that the TARDIS was 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 right by their side for the most of for the majority of the episode. It was there on on the strip on the on the carriage. Because it was like well, it, 
as if they had to travel too far to get to it, you know? It was just there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they could at any point just jumped in the TARDIS and gone. <laughs> but Absolutely. But what I love about like all this stuff was I re listened to an earthly child mm. recently with Paul McGann and Caroline Paul, and she's always described it as, oh, it's been our home for many years. And it was like, mm. that was so nice. I was even in classic crew, it was just terrible. It was a home, really. It wasn't really a suppose, if, if Doctor Who did go on holiday like he did, he probably would go on a Marco Polo adventure. He wouldn't just go on a on a sun on a beach holiday. You know, it would probably have to be some historical adventure. <laughs> no, it'd be like what River would always say. He'll just get bored, or they'll get bored, and something, mm. and they'll just end up in like danger because they can't sit still long enough. And um, so my one of my favorite Who authors, David J. Howe. And Stephen James Walker, they described this this as an amazing tour de force. They praised Lucarotti's script, dialogue, and characters, and Hussein's direction. And um, oh, oh, I can't wait to see David next month. I get to see him again for the first time in ages. Oh, really? I love. Yeah, I met him. him I, I met him and his book. partner Sam before they got married. I love Time Frame and um, the sixties and seventies and eighties. Um, books. Yeah, I took a picture of them, but before they went to Long Island too for their honeymoon, when they were just got when they oh, just wow. got hitched. Wow. Yeah, they were so lovely, and I can't wait to see them. This is the first time I've seen them since I think 2017 Wow, that's cool. Yeah, they're so lovely. They're so really nice. Dude. I really must start investing more in the books. It's just finding time, but. The last one I read was the Target collection, and it was quite nice. Mm. The ones that where Collins written for it, it's like part of the Jody era stuff right now. It's quite nice. Mm. They do like a whole war game story for like Patrick Troughton as well in there. All right. Yeah, where I think he sees the war chief again, which is quite nice. Because Marco Polo, it, it's on. There's a it's on CD. There's an audio version of it, isn't there? Yes, yes, because it's got linking narration. I think it's William Russell who does it. Right. And is then that, there's the also the books. I think there's the Target novels as well. Yeah, that's by John Lucarotti. Uh, yeah. David McAllister did the lovely covers. I love the Target covers. I, lo- I love yeah. Doctor Who artists. I, re- I-, I love um, Andrew. Is it Andrew Skilleter? Yes, He's and amazing. the recently not long oh, departed amazing. Chris Achilleos. But no, if we like Doctor Who for like the 60s, I, I'd have to say, I know people prefer Pat a lot. Pat Charlton seems to be everyone's stuff. But mm. to me, going along with the Hartnell era, it's really fascinating watching this crotchety old man who literally becomes so warm-hearted by the yeah. end of it. That's true. Yeah, because by Tenth Planet... He, I mean, you could tell that he was already warm to Ben and Polly in their short window. Mm. It's a shame the smuggler. I mean, I, I think the smugglers is one of the animated episodes. So you get that final story of him with Ben and Polly coming out this year, just before the Tenth Planet. And that's a that's one of the missing ones, right? Yes, everything's completely missing. So I wonder how they're going to do that one. So, Matt, have you got any favourite moments from Marco Polo? Right, yes, I have to say, um, I brought it up earlier, but it's just so incredible hearing, like, Manic first Doctor, and they're like, what on earth is going on with him? Even Susan's, like, freaked out by him. 
says, Grandfather, what are you laughing for? He's <laughs> 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 like very yodery. Yeah. Yeah, and like you could definitely tell this is when the writers started to see the doctor rather than just the historical um figure that they were writing previously. Mm. Ebenezer. I'd say, yeah, I'd say Marco Polo is when it's from what I've just heard, this sounds like when they're starting to see him as the doctor. Mm. Yeah, I agree. And I think I love the set design and the costumes and the music. Oh, the behind the scenes um, is incredible. It just looks like a magical fantasy for like the budget they had. Mm, definitely. I for me personally, another favourite is like I say, is the snow stuff with like um Barbara and Ian literally um Barbara and Ian are literally screaming out in the cold. And yeah, it's a totally snap, but you're envisioning like such pain and distress. And it's like, this is top acting from them too. It's like, at this point, it feels like the seasoned travellers on the TARDIS. Mm. But I think, as I say, it's also... Oh, could you remind me one more time, please, um, the lovely girl's name? Sorry, I'm um, the one that Susan befriends. Um, it, oh, um, Ping, Ping Cho. That's it. Sorry, I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to make sure that I've got it right. So yeah, with Ping, it's so lovely that they just became fast friends. And I, yeah. and that's a rarity of Susan befriending somebody that is an alien. Obviously, she befriends the sensorites, and which is a complete contrast from an actual human, and tried to make out she was sixteen, even though she isn't. She may look like a teenager, but she, but she's far older, which was so hysterical when she tried to compare. And um, but I think the darkest turn is when you got to realize is Pincho's being married to like some seventy-five-year-old, and you forget how common that is. I mean, we still have it today, but back then that was probably so common back where they were. Yeah. I thought that was so dark. I'd completely forgotten how realistic that was hearing all of that. So, and to me, that's top research. The gentleman, John Lucarati, mm. um, it's like he researched his stuff properly. Yeah. Um, and what the great thing is, I think Doctor Who works and Big Finish have done it with like the Rafa the Arsene night. It's pure historicals, beautifully work. When the only thing you've got is the Doctor and the crew and the TARDIS, and that's it. They're the only foreign thing to it. Where everything else, like Marco Polo, no monsters, no nothing. It's the people who are the villains good, in it. And good writing. Oh, yeah, because if you're going to do pure historical, I mean, New Who gets so close now and you get the aliens. I know you've got to put, like, some aliens in, but really, Rosa... To me, humans of the Punjab. Yeah, everyone says um, Rosa works so well, but if you took out that guy, it would have made it the first pure historical for ages. Mm. And that's the problem, is you've got to put Monster of the Week in, because us viewers now won't be as interested. Low attention spans and that, yeah. Yeah, and I just think things like this, so go What would you give this story out of five? I think from what I've heard so far, and I will continue the journey. So I'm going to say four for now, but I will continue Marco Polo because I really want to finish the story. Yeah, yeah I, and I'll match that then. Yeah, I'll match that. Yeah, because to be honest, um, when you compare it to like Re- Re- Revenge of the Cybermen, 
you wouldn't believe this was the same writer. I I can't wait for this to be animated. I re I'm really looking forward to this one. I'm yeah, I gotta really say, like it feels for me this is this is like going back into strange territory because I'm way mm. past this crew. I'm on the Dodo era. So mm. what I've been doing was I'm gonna finish off Hartnell's era, then I'm gonna continue like the missing stuff before I go into Pat Charlton. Mm. So this to me was like I've sped up my sped up my time sheet so yeah. it was quite exciting mm. i think what i'll do because it's so long i'll re i'll redo the first four tomorrow and then i'll do the next part on wednesday and then that's marco polo finished because i want to get want to get it done because obviously it's a fantastic story have you been reading or watching anything else for it lately mark Oh, I did Willow. Absolutely loved yeah, Willow. Yeah, I, I just want. I just watched that as well. I, I absolutely. I you could tell from the ending they're hinting for more. Yeah, I think the end. I can't give spoilers, but I was hoping. I think I've worked out what's going to happen, but I just want them to finish it because it was such a big cliffhanger. I was like, oh, no. Yeah, but if you if you see it, you could definitely tell it is planning for two more. But it just depends how Disney is. Yeah. Oh, so, wow, so oh, I did Nice Out first time recently. I quite like those. Have you seen Glass Onion? Yes. That, no, that to me. That I haven't, I've seen the first one. First one was promoted as like comedy, but the second one I found was more comedy. Mm. I've been watching The Great Pottery Throwdown. Mm. What I'm going to do this weekend is I'm going back into my classic watches of films and such. Oh, yeah. But. Yeah, I've been doing Big Finish a lot because I've got such a huge backlog before I go to LA in February. So wow, I'm trying to get everything done before Gallifrey. Who are you meeting in LA? Jody. Wow, that would be really cool. Yeah, Katie's going to be there, Bonnie Langford, Janet, uh, Jody, Chibnall. Wow, that would be great. Yes, I, I can't. It's Bonnie's first time in America since um, 22 years, apparently. Wow. That's cool. And uh, Colin's going, of course. Yeah. Have you met anyone yeah. recently, Matt? Um, I, I was looking through some of your photographs of famous people, famous. Dudes. Oh, they're those are my old ones, but I was just finding oh, the scans. I can't believe that's that. <laughs> I thought I lost that picture with Warwick Davis. <laughs> yeah, everyone kept saying to me like, "Oh, you've got great shoes." I'm like, "That's not the point of that picture." <laughs> but no, um. I'd have to say it's quite exciting that we're in the 60th year right now with all these tidbits coming out. I've, I've just, just seen the. I've just, I've just ordered, seen the. I've just ordered. I've just ordered the, um, from character options the regeneration set of um, Jodie Whittaker with Sylvester McCoy's jumper and Tom Baker's scarf on. Oh, we, it, it oh yeah, there's some guy in there. What's his name? Tenant something. Tenant, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I just think the filming photos today, Shooty is still continuing to have her police box. Wow, okay. Yeah, so David will have it and Shooty will have it. So that police box gets a Christmas special and New Year's Day specials and everything now. Oh, I can't wait. I'm so excited for who. Yeah, I can't believe Kate Stewart's back already. Yeah, I love her as well. I know. I was saying to someone the other day, it's come full circle because now she's been written by all three of the showrunners. Right. But yes. no, if um, great but for the people up. out there, 
if you're if you're so concerned about audio or the tele snaps or anything from the missing don't they i mean there's transcripts online to help you if you struggle if you're hard of hearing i mean there's a great website that posts up the doctor who transcripts so if you're struggling to follow along they'll put them up for you mm. because good. obviously that's inclusive that's good yeah because otherwise you, you're missing out on like stuff i mean the soundtrack versions are also great because to me, if you want to do like the complete Doctor Who, I'd say finish the, the eras you're doing first and then go back and do the missing stuff before you move on to the next. Mm. It's a slog, I know, but then you get the whole journey done. Mm. That's what I'm doing now. I'm yeah, finishing yeah. the Hartnell era, then I'm finishing off the missing, then I'm going to start the missing episodes era because now I can oh. slot in. Okay, this goes with Vicky, this goes with Dodo, this goes with them lot. This is I, basically I, the I gaps. Su- I surprised myself because I didn't know that I didn't own the Underwater Menace and I'd never seen it because I always got it confused with the Keys of Marinus. And I checked my shelf and thought, hold on, I'm one down. So I bought that this yeah. week for the first time. I don't know how it slipped the net, but... But what's interesting is Series 1 is very much a Terry Nation-like series, like... Yeah. Series one, he was trying to go test the Daleks in the board, and mm. it just so happened to be the Daleks. Are you looking for a graphic design that will take you to the next level, or something that shows confidence within a growing market to help you stand out amongst the crowd? Amazing Designs gives consistent and on-brand designs whether you are looking for something conservative or you want to let your imagination soar. They bring professionalism to a high standard and they are able to visualize your ideas and give them that extra edge. Working one-on-one with their designers will give you a design that will live up to your expectations and more. Affordable, expert designs for all occasions whether it's logos brochures or whatever you can dream of amazing designs is your to-go place for creativity and hands-on expertise try amazing designs today contact them via email at amazing designs 505 at gmail.com that's amazing designs 505 at gmail.com or reach out by phone at crunchy cold one 805-203-0427 we love them so much here at the literary license podcast that we use them ourselves but i'd rather be different than be the same well that brings us to the end of um marco polo so um do you have any any links or online stuff matt that you want to plug i don't go for it no not yet but one day we shall have another podcast until then no regrets no tears no anxieties just go forward and all your beliefs and wait until the next literary license podcast hmm? so w- goodbye my dears au revoir c'est la vie hmm? so we'll be back it looks like the next one will be Keys of Marinus, I imagine. I think, unless I'm wrong and there's something in between, but... I th- I think so. I think we're heading to Vort territory, which people call them the plastic gimps. Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for joining us, and we'll see everyone next time for some more so classic who. Yeah. Ta-ta. <laughs> I swear to a fisher, man. Hey, soldier, my swear to you, man. Hey, yo, Bab, let them know how you looking up. Ow! New jeans, shot, check. Yellow, leather, king, Bab. BBC shirt with a fresh pair of jeans.